You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. We've gone into the Wayback Machine. It's old school today. It's Mark and Michael uh, on this episode. Michael, how are you doing? It's been a long time since we've done uh, just the two of us on a podcast. Yeah, I was wondering when you'd start to cut out the other uh, riffraff. Back to the basics. Yeah, we should probably go back to the old format where we recorded and where it would delete halfway through, stop recording, wouldn't record, wouldn't upload. You know, those were fun times. So get our best we've... ideas on those podcasts for sure. I know they always like lost. Them. All right, exactly. We'd record a podcast, be like, all right, we got it. Go to edit it down. It would delete the whole thing or cut half of it out. It was a nightmare. But anyway, things are much smoother now, and we're coasting through, providing all of you Flames fans with the best Flames podcasting information out there. At least we think so. Um, so we have hockey coming up. Calgary opens up tomorrow night with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, it's kind of weird not having a preseason. Most of the time, I kind of like bellyache about the preseason because no one wants to cover, you know, eight split squad games and write about, you know, a preseason game between the Flames and whoever, you know. But I almost kind of miss it a little bit because it just kind of feels like they just dropped hockey into our laps, which is good. Um, but how do you feel about it? I mean, yeah, like you were saying, I really don't miss the what was it last year like 12 or 13 game preseason i think um i don't know if they could get back to find like a happy medium with like four or five games maybe i could get over that but like it just got before this past year it was just ridiculous how long that preseason seemed to last but um yeah i kind of missed it this year I, I would like to see some more of the young guys get a chance to really didn't get much outside of like that split squad scrimmage which you really couldn't even call a game so i'm kind of bummed about missing it but how about yourself yeah, no, I kind of feel that same way, too. It's, every now and then, I like to catch a little bit of the preseason. Just, you know, I think it's good for guys to get their legs underneath them. Um, much like the NFL doesn't need four games, I don't think the NHL needs, you know, eight to ten or whatever games it is they usually have during the preseason. So I think a couple games would have helped, but I totally understand. I would rather have no preseason and just get hockey in and get them playing so we have a season. So, I, you know, but I'm kind of with you. A little bit of a ramp up to the season is nice though it's always hard to write a preview about a game where you know half the guys playing in that game aren't going to be playing in the nhl during the season anyway so no preseason but we jump right in um with the winnipeg jets calgary's first opponent tomorrow night um calgary did play winnipeg in the playoffs uh or the the what the qualifying round I'm, i'm confusing my terminology with last year's postseason but um you know uh winnipeg's still going to be a tough out this season um what do you expect to see out of the flames coming into their first game with really not a lot of uh, amp up other than the Lanny McDonald, Jerome McGinley scrimmage from the other day? I mean, I'm not expecting a whole heck of a lot, to be honest. Like I'm thinking there's going to be quite a bit of a chaos out there. It's kind of guys. It seems like they mixed a lot of their forward lines, even just from last year. So there's going to be a lot of these guys trying to figure out each other in a game setting. And, um, I'm sure the Jets are going to be the exact same, so I'm expecting at least for this first week or so just be 
really sloppy, not well-played hockey. But, you know, those are always games that can be a lot of fun, too. So, I don't know. I'm just happy to have it back at this point. And you mentioned in one of the chats we were having earlier today, um, Calgary was at 115-1 and in their last 17 home openers. Was that the stat? Did I remember that correctly off the top of my head? 115-1 and in their last 17 season openers. So, they're just... Yes. It's it's a mess. I think they went the whole 2010s without a single win to start the season. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's mind boggling. Well, maybe with how things are going and how weird everything is in the world today, maybe the Flames actually flip it and actually win a home opener for a change because that would be 2020. Oh, it's 2021. So who knows? Maybe a new year, a new season, new rules, new setup. Maybe the Flames actually, uh, you know, come through and win a home opener for a change. But um, you mentioned line shuffling a little bit. And that's something I kind of talked about in the offensive preview piece that we put up the other day. Uh, Calgary has to break their lines up. Uh, it's clearly, I think they've given Gaudreau and Monaghan enough time to play together to realize that, that line's not working anymore. Um, Monaghan, you know, it's been mentioned. He's not exactly a guy who creates his own offense. He's looking for someone to feed in the puck. He parks in the slot and waits for the puck. Whereas, you know, Gaudreau is somebody who can create his own offense. Um, you know, the Flames could jumble their lines up to the point where you have Lindholm and Gaudreau up top. You could have, say, even like Backlund and Mangiapane on that second line. And the third line, you could have Monaghan center with, I don't know, you know, pick somebody, whoever you want to be down there on that line. And you could build three strong lines with two really good players. Then it just becomes, where do you slot Matthew Kachuk? Where do you slot Sam Bennett? Um, what are some of your thoughts on that? I would, I mean, I know personally I've been an advocate and. I mentioned in the preview, it's not a hot take by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I would love to see a Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk line. Um, I think that line would cause matchup problems for many teams in the league. But uh, what are your thoughts on kind of building three, like, quote unquote, like super lines where you have at least two of your better players on each line? Do you think that works? I mean, I think it's a good idea. I'm kind of still of the mind that you kind of give Goudreau and Monaghan one last go. Just, um, with the way they seem to be structuring it this year with Kachuk and Lindholm as kind of a de facto top pairing, yep. I think that might take a lot of pressure off Gaudreau and Monaghan to really not have to be the guys to produce anymore, which they pretty much have been their entire time here. So I think they deserve at least kind of one more shot, and then whoever you put on their line, my personal preference would be Andrew Mangiapane because I think he's a good mix between the two. He's got skills like Johnny, but he also has a wicked shot. So I mm -hmm. think like giving them kind of one last kick at the can together before splitting them up might be a good way to kind of really balance the Flames' attacks. I think Kachuk and Lindholm will still put up a ton of points as well on their top line. Yeah, no, I think those those calls all make sense. I think Jeff Ward just really needs to, I think he needs to kind of take the bull by the horns, for lack of a better term, this year and just do what has to be done. I mean, we've, we all talk about windows with teams. Calgary's window with this group is not very big. Um, you know, there are contracts coming up in the next two and three years. You know, Mark Giordano's not getting and a younger, you know, each time the puck drops to start a new season. So, you know, the Flames went out and brought in Jacob Markstrom, you know, six years, 36 million. They, you know, that money doesn't say back up, let's rebuild. You know, that says you're our number one goalie. Get in there. We're going to make a run. Um, I just think the, the Flames have a limited amount of time this season to stick with what was happening or what they were doing before they really jumble it up because a short season doesn't give you a lot of time to uh, find yourself in a hole as the season starts. So, you know, if you lose, you know, I would say six out of your first 10, that's not a really good start. So, um, you know, you think Jeff Ward has a short leash on 
you know, his plans. And then maybe it's time to jumble things up and change things up sooner, earlier than later, if they're going to stick with the way they were, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. I think we could see him much being much more willing to go to try new changes just because they haven't really had the time to invest in trying to get these guys to build chemistry. And like you said, they're not going to have a lot of time to keep investing. So if it's not working, I could see, six, eight, ten games in there already looking to make big changes with the lineup moving guys around just because there wasn't really much of a camp to even get these guys used to each other. So the fact that they could probably switch things around and kind of be at the same place in terms of chemistry would give them at least opportunities to make a difference. Yep, agree. And I think, too, the power play could get it, see itself get a boost this year, too, because you could actually, I mean, I know they ran it a couple times during practice. I didn't see because they were, they were split up, but during the um, scrimmages, but like you could really run a, a Lindholm, Gaudreau, Monahan, Kachuk, Rasmus Anderson power play if you wanted, like an absolute nonsensical superstar line to start everything, you know, to try to get that power play jump started, which actually wasn't bad last year. Um, the Flames were, I think, 12th in the league in power play percentage, which considering the Flames' past history with power play is a minor miracle that they were that good. But I think, you know, Maybe moving Mark Giordano off that top power play line takes a little bit you know, off of his plate where he could concentrate more on maybe helping anchor that second unit, which doesn't get you know a ton of ice time during the power play. And he could also concentrate on the penalty kill. Uh, you have any opinion on that? Do you think Calgary should maybe look at really loading up that first power, power play line and, you know, for, you know, punish teams for taking penalties? Yeah, I think it's something you pretty much have to do in today's NHL with the, uh, Going heavy with like the four forwards, one defense, but I think Anderson is the perfect fit back there now that they moved on from Gio on it. He's got that really good slap shot, but he also seems to have a good uh, playmaking ability. And then, like you said, those four forwards, when they're all together, it's, it can be magic on the ice if things are working well. And I think, yeah, if you give them maybe a minute 15, a minute and a half of every power play, like more likely than not, I think you're going to see them potentially at least crack the top half, even the top 10 in the uh, league this year is my gut feeling. And speaking of Anderson, if you want to jump quickly over to the defense with the flames, um, I, you got to think this is probably the start of Anderson's breakout part of his career. I think he gets obviously a ton more minutes this year with Brody and Hamannick gone. You know, it gives him a chance to step up into a role where he gets more ice time and becomes, you know, a team leader on the blue line, because you're going to see, I would have to think Giordano's minutes are going to slowly start to back off just because of age and wear and tear and, you know, trying to get into the playoffs and keep him fresh. Um, were you surprised with Oliver Shillington? Um, I got the news, you know, we the news broke the other day that he was put on waivers. He cleared waivers. Um, so he'll obviously be one of those guys that's, you know, going back and forth between Stockton and Calgary, or maybe he gets dealt at some point. Um, I wasn't totally shocked with that the flames just don't seem like they were that into shillington um what are your thoughts on shillington being waived and then clearing waivers yeah uh, I'm, I'm more surprised he cleared waivers than the fact he was on them like uh i think we've seen for a couple of years now that the flames really aren't comfortable yet giving him any kind of regular role outside of maybe a third pairing or seventh defenseman role like for whatever reason he just hasn't taken a step forward and the flames have brought in other guys either at the trade deadlines or this year when they signed Nikita Nesteroff, they brought Stone back on a PTO. Like, they just really don't seem comfortable giving Shillington that regular ice time yet. On the other hand, the fact that he was waived, I'm, I'm surprised like a bottom feeder team where somebody with a few extra spots didn't at least give him a look, just based on what his name value seems to still be around the league and to other fans, other teams. 
But uh, I guess it's good he's still here, but I wouldn't be sh- I'd be surprised if he's still here at the end of the season, whether that's trade or something else happens. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of like I don't know if I don't want to say I'm shocked or surprised. The Flames do things every now and then that don't make a lot of sense. But I mean, Shillington never to me looked like a guy on the ice that was that big of a liability. Um especially in a, you know, a, as a bottom pairing on the defense. I I never looked at him out there and was like, "Oh god, Shillington's out there. Here we go." You know, where there were times we were like, "Oh, Michael Stone's playing tonight. Fantastic. Here we go." You know, buckle up. I it I don't make obviously I'm not with the team i'm not on the scouting staff i'm not on the coaching staff so i don't see oliver shillington play every day but uh, am i way off i never really thought he was that big of a liability or you know somebody that you really wouldn't take a chance on what do you think yeah it's it's kind of a weird situation i mean to be fair to him as well the flames do have with val Mackey now on the team like five definite very good NHL players which only leaves two spots at best and then I think they've been really happy with Nesterov I know I've watched him play in the scrimmage game and for all, all I've heard he's fit in really well could be like a bit of a gem on the back end that they pulled out of Russia and for Shillington it's kind of like he might just be more of a result of the numbers and the talent the Flames have developed on their blue line rather than anything specifically to do with his play I'm not sure if you agree with me on that or not no, I think that's a, I think that's a very fair assessment. And I, you know, if there wasn't a player like Valamaki waiting in the wings coming back, then maybe Shillington, you know, slides into that spot easier or has you know, a better chance. But I mean, from everything you hear and everything you read, it's the, the Flames have got to be ecstatic that Valamaki's ready to go. Uh, he's ready to come back. I mean, his numbers—he was a point per game player, you know, in 19 games overseas so far before you know he came back to be with Calgary. Um, I'm excited to see a, a younger defensive core out there with Hannafin. I think this is the year I know Hannafin gets beat up a lot, but um, you know, his name's been put out there in trade rumors. And I, I, I for one, I'm excited to see what Hannafin brings this year. Cause I think he's an extremely talented player. And last year, his numbers were down, but the year before he had the best year of his career. I mean, everybody in Calgary did, but I don't see Hannafin as a train wreck dumpster fire, somebody that needs to be traded because he's not going to work out. He's young. And I'm kind of excited to look at a defense with Hannafin, Anderson, and Valamaki. How about you? Yeah, I think specifically right ahead is that kind of a notion I always got when I talked to, I have a few friends at the Carolina side. I was talking to them after that big trade went down. And the way they kind of described him was he was always kind of underwhelming. Like he, he always seems like he's poised for that next big step where we'll have a few games where it's like this guy could be a Norris caliber defender, but at times, he just doesn't seem to put it together. He seems to make some sloppy mistakes, either with his uh, gaps or uh, his own coverage. But I think, like you said, he could be – he's still young. He still could have a breakout year. And I think he will get a bigger role, especially with Mark Giordano probably getting his time taken down a bit. Like, I'm excited to see – he's still young, and I'm excited to see if he can kind of grow with some of these other young guys like Val Mackey and Anderson coming up. Like, I think it could be a – or at least age-wise, it's a really good fit, and I hopefully – we can see them kind of grow together, especially this year. Now, speaking of Norris Trophy winners and Mark Giordano, who do you see pairing with Mark Giordano? Because it's always been TJ Brody, and you know Brody's best seasons were with Mark Giordano. When Brody wasn't paired with him, he didn't have the best seasons. Um, who's going to pair with Giordano? Because is he going to be your number one defenseman pairing, or is he going to slide down to maybe the second or third? basically due to age and, you know, trying to keep some, some wear and tear off the tires. I think we could see for the Flames this year, a lot of, um, I would say fluidity with their pairings. Like um, 
I know we saw a lot of Rasmus Anderson with him in camp, along with some Chris Tanev. I think either of those options are good for the Flames. Perhaps throwing Giordano into kind of like a second pairing role with Tanev might be really good for like a kind of defensive pairing, and you could give Hannafin and Anderson more of an offensive role. And then I think Valimaki and Nesterov could kind of slot that middle semi-offensive, semi-defensive role pretty well. But, like, yeah, if I'm looking for Geo, I would probably say on paper Anderson makes more sense. But I think Tanev could kind of work out to be a bit better for the Flames as a whole over the course of the season. Yeah, I think those make sense. A guy like Tanev, you know, he's he's been average at best, you know, nothing overly outstanding with, through his time in Vancouver. And I think pairing him with Mark Giordano gives him a solid first off defensive partner to be out there, but Giordano is also a good offensive defenseman as well. So it's a guy that he can work with. And, you know, like we said, Brody's some of his best seasons where he was paired with Giordano, you know, so that could work out. And I love the idea of Hannes, um, Hannafin and Anderson together. I mean, Anderson's just got that shot. Hannafin's a good skater. They both move well. I think, you know, they're definitely more of the Bob Hartley uh, flames defense pairing where they're probably better offensive players than defensive players right now. At least that's what I would say. Uh, so I think that pairing works out well. And again, uh, Nesterov and uh, Valimaki, that's that's a good bottom bottom pairing as well. And as you mentioned too, you can flip-flop those guys if things aren't working out. It's just a matter of will Jeff Ward be willing to do that stuff? Um, so I think that remains to be seen. So um, we are going to pause here for a quick break on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about the Flames current position that they're in. Maybe we'll talk some goalies and then we'll hit up some predictions for the season. We'll be right back on the Tinderbox. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. It's Mark and Michael here. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. We've covered offense and defense, a little bit of power play in the first half. Um, I think goaltending is the big one uh, for this season. Obviously, the Flames need to score more goals. They were 20th in the league, but they sunk some time and some money into Jacob Markstrom. And I I think it's he is obviously the man. David Riddick is going to have to take that back seat. Um, and with a shortened season, you could really pile a ton of games on Markstrom just to see how good he is. Um, and like we mentioned, windows closing, you know, contracts coming up soon, you know, certain players getting older. Um, what do you expect out of Jacob Markstrom this year? Especially being with a new team I and mean- having a new defense in front of him. Yeah, for Markstrom, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of out of the gate struggle just as he kind of gets adjusted to the new system. But I think once he kind of gets settled in, like him and Riddick together, I think can can really like be a solid one-two punch. And then obviously Markstrom gave him the heavier start mode, but just because the season can be so tight, like I think the Flames are in a really good position having two goalies who both went to the All Star game last year. Like these aren't this isn't like the old Kerry Rammel Jonas Hiller days anymore. This is two very good goalies on the team that are gonna really balance well together. When you figure Rick's gotta have a chip on his shoulder too. I mean he got he got injured, uh, struggled a little bit towards the end of last season, and then when the Flames came back for the playoffs, they immediately bypassed him and went to Talbot, who played actually really well in the playoffs 
for Calgary last year. So um, Riddick's got he's obviously in there with something to prove. And I think just waiting to bide his time when he gets his start to show that he's still good. But the minute, you know, the minute they make Markstrom to a six year, thirty six million dollar deal, you know, Riddick's like, oh, there it goes again. You know, I'm sitting behind somebody else. But I feel like him sitting behind Markstrom isn't like him sitting behind Mike Smith or, as you mentioned, Ramo Hiller, you know, Red O'Bara, whoever, where you're just like, who is the one A, who's one B? I think it's definitely defined that Calgary has for the first time in a long time, a true number one goaltender. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say one thing also with Markstrom as well, he does have that potential to be super, very highly elite, like we saw him with Vancouver last year. I think the big thing is that he also raises the floor of expectations for goaltending. Like, you know, on most nights now, you're going to get at least a solid to a solid to above average goaltending every game, which I think really, when you look at the rest of the team, that's probably all the Flames really need to at least make the playoffs, if not contend for first in division. It's just knowing every night, whether it's Markstrom or Riddick starting it, for the most part, they're going to get solid goaltending, which even when you had Riddick and Talbot or Riddick and Smith, like, you know you would get nights where they would just be completely awful and allow five goals and you wouldn't really have a chance. Like, I think Markstrom just gives you that strong baseline to get, like, to know you're going to have a chance to win every game. Yeah, and Markstrom, too, you look at his numbers. The last two years, he's really had the workload dropped on him in Vancouver, and his numbers immediately got better. He's one of those guys, like, the more you throw him in there, like, the more the more time he spends on the ice and the more he has to carry the team, the better he is. So, you know, that could be good for the Flames. Um, so. Now that we've got offense, defense, goaltending out of the way, what are your thoughts on the Flames for this season? Um, is this the team that you know that was what second, third best in the best in the West, you know, two years ago, or is it the team that was last year that was kind of? Eh. And I mean, last year was tough. Every NHL team dealt with adversity. You know, Calgary had a couple different issues, but what? Who are the Flames this year? What do you think? What are your thoughts? I mean, I'm kind of torn on it because, like. For as right as everything kind of went in 2018-19, a lot of it almost went the opposite in 2019-20. But when you consider the Flames were still, like, I think 7th or 8th in the West at the time the league paused, even though their top players were having a terrible season, nothing was really gelling, they had a coaching change, they had all the issues last year. Like, I think if the Flames can just not even really exceed expectations like they did two years ago, but just, like, as long as everyone kind of plays up to what we expect them to be, like, for me, this is a roster that should be in the top two of the division, and I think could – I don't want to use the words, but like I think this team should have Stanley Cup aspirations if things kind of break the right way with them this season, everything kind of gels. Yep, I, I completely agree with you. I think – and you look at last year too, like it was a complete offensive nightmare for Calgary. I mean, they didn't – forget not even having somebody in the top 10. They didn't have anybody in the top 25 in scoring. Uh, the closest guy they had was Matthew Kachuk. His 61 points was good for 33rd in the league. And then Gaudreau and Lynn Holmer in the mid-60s. I think Monaghan was like 79th or something. Like It was just like you expect more out of those guys. And I don't, you know, yes, you can pin some of it on that. But look at the season Dreisaitl had last year. You know, Edmonton played the same amount of games as the Flames did. And that team, you know, its top two players went absolutely bananas. Whereas Calgary's top, you know, three really is like hmm. they had like mediocre seasons. So I, I expect more out of them. And I think maybe some line juggling, some personnel changes, you know, up and down the lineup can definitely help that, you know, just four teams, right. Are going to get in. Um, I think you immediately have to pencil Winnipeg and Toronto in 
in this North division as teams that are going to be in. But that you think that's a reasonable assessment? I, I'm torn on the Jets, but like I can get behind it just because they have such good goaltending. Um, exactly. That was I my thought. If you know, Connor Hellebuck can carry you to, to the playoffs, you're going to get in. And then you got the fight. You got, I would probably say Edmonton begrudgingly, just because offensively they're talented. Um, not a lot of turnover there. I think Edmonton's a team you could probably pencil in in one of those four spots. And then it comes down to, I think, Calgary and Vancouver. Ottawa is so far down the list. Like, you know, Ottawa is is what it is. I don't expect them, you know, much out of them. Um, Montreal, I think it depends on how Carey Price goes, how their offense rebounds. You know, just there's some issues up there in Montreal as well. So, you know, you could probably look at them as a team that maybe doesn't get in. I think it comes down to Calgary and Vancouver for that final spot. What do you think? Yeah, I know a lot of people have been really high on Montreal because they did make some acquisitions and how they beat out Pittsburgh last year in the play-in. But personally, I think they're a little bit overhyped. I thought the Penguins were a fraud going into the last playoffs anyway, so like I'm not shocked to have beat them. And I think people are riding a little too high on Montreal. And with you, I don't think they make the playoffs. Um, I think Calgary's more of a sure thing. I think Vancouver probably gets in as long as Thatcher Demko kind of takes over that load that Jacob Markstrom had. And the Oilers, like as good as like David and Drysdale are, there's still not a whole lot behind them. And losing Oscar Kleffbaum, I think for the season, like I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Oilers just kind of they they'll be in the hunt all year. But I wouldn't be shocked to see them miss out by a couple points at the end of the season. All right, fair enough. We have a we have a differing opinion on Edmonton. You're, but I I think a lot of I, that makes. I mean, I think it's all just is what it. I think it's one of those you just kind of have to wait and see how things go. I mean, any team that comes out of the gate struggling, dropping like five, you know five or six games in a row, is going to have a really hard time climbing back in. So I think I think early on is really how you'll see you know who's who's improved and who hasn't. But um, even like last year, I mean, it came down the Flames and Canucks were separated by one point. You know, that's that's what separated those two. So, um, and it would be interesting too if it was the players Calgary got from Vancouver end up being the difference makers for Calgary, whereas they would have made for Edmund, I mean, for um, Vancouver. So by the way, and, and next off season can, you know, instead of cherry picking, you know, what's left over in Edmonton and what's left over in Vancouver, maybe the flames can, you know, pick from somewhere else to grab some players. You know, maybe next year we don't just drop down to like Florida next and be like, Hey, you know what? There's two guys from Florida. Let's snag those guys. Um, maybe the flames can cherry pick some, some talent for some, from some better teams as opposed to the, the bottom dwellers in the West. They so, seem uh, to have a team every year that they like to just like uh, throw a dartboard at. And this is a team, like I think it was a couple of years ago, they went to Carolina and just to give us everything you got. And then, like you said, Edmonton and Vancouver, I'm pretty sure Brad Truman just has a big wheel in his office that he spins at the start of the off season, and whoever it lands on is the team he's trying to get going to get everyone from. Spin the and wheel of trash. Pick three not great teams. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the exactly. Carolina. Well, the Carolina stuff worked out. Lind, you know, the trade with for Lindholm and Hannafin has been good. But yeah, like, it just let's stay away from Florida. Um, you know, let's pass on the Devils. You know, some franchises. Let's just, you know, hopefully Brad stays away from those. But you know, hopefully. Mark Strim and Tanov can be, you know, uh, you know, key cogs for uh, Calgary this year. So um, I think that pretty much covers it. Anything else you want to uh, you want to touch upon? We did, you know, offense, defense, goaltending. We uh, talked about, you know, settling in. Oh, actually, quickly, the North, you know, 10 games against Edmonton, 10 games against Vancouver. Is this going to get old after a while? Is it going to kind of water down these rivalries because the teams see each other? You know, you're, all, you're more than doubling than what you would see during the regular season. Um, do you think this is going to be good for these rivalries? Or do you think by, 
game nine against Edmonton, you're going to be like, all right, enough of the Oilers. Nobody cares anymore. I mean, I could see that happening. I think at least for the Oilers side, not as much the Canucks side, like for the most part, the Flames and Oilers have their games fairly spaced out over the year, mm-hmm. which I think should at least help with kind of building up that animosity, whereas like they play some of these other teams three, four times in a row. And I think that could kind of turn into those games that get kind of stale. But like, I, I really find it hard to believe that after all of last year's game, even that, uh, whatever they call the scrimmage game in the bubble, like, even that yeah. game was pretty chippy and it wasn't even for anything. Like, I find it hard to believe unless, like, unless the first three games are just a complete bloodbath and, like, six guys get hurt and there's 30 fights that it's really going to die off at all over the course of the season, especially if both teams are contending right along that playoff line, which we think they should both be at at this point. Yeah, we don't want we don't want these 10 games to look like the old Iron League from Slapshot. You know, that would... um. That would go. That would not be good for the league. It would be entertaining okay. to watch, but I don't think, I don't think it would be good for anybody else. So, uh, anything else you want to touch upon while before we uh, wrap this up? I mean, just because you kind of brought up like how how stupid is it of the NHL that they didn't do a Battle of Alberta on their opening night of the season? Like that would bring in viewers all over North America watching hockey again. But they did Vancouver and Edmonton instead, which I think is just ridiculous. Yeah, I can kind of yeah, I can see how that would be disappointing though. Also, you could end up in one of those games too, with like both teams would come out and it would be like an eight to seven game, you know, two goaltenders on each side, a ton of penalties, sloppy hockey, and everybody's like, oh, Calgary's terrible, Edmonton, you know. But it would have been nice to open up the season with Kachuk lined up from, you know, across from Edmonton, just and just watching Edmonton, just be like, here we go again, you know. But uh, yeah, Calgary when sorry. Oh, I was just saying, it was can't miss hockey last year. Like the uh, the media outlets out here, uh, Sportsnet, TSN, like they just couldn't get enough of the coverage that came after the uh, Battle of Alberta, all the fights, everything. Like I, I just think it's a bit of an opportunity missed to get people back in the season watching. I would argue hockey's best rivalry right now, right off the hop. But I don't know. I don't make the schedule. I don't make the rules. Maybe they had some idea behind it. But yeah, that's all I got to say on that, really. I, I, and I think you bring up a very valid point. Go Flames Jets. Yay. So we have Yay. hockey tomorrow. The Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets will play. They'll uh, hit the ice uh 10 p.m. Uh, uh, sorry, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. I always do the, I'm like, oh, I got to do the math from East Coast to the middle, to the middle of everywhere. It's at Winnipeg. Um, and then Calgary rounds out the week when, on Saturday with the uh, Vancouver Canucks. So we got two games this week. The Flames start in pretty slow. They got that weird five-day break the next week and then it's it's pretty much on the rest of the season so um thursday night 6 p.m mountain time the flames and winnipeg jets in winnipeg and then the flames are home on saturday for an 8 p.m mountain time start against the vancouver canucks michael thank you so much for coming on today and talking some hockey and uh bringing it back to the old days now we just got to hope that this doesn't delete or crash while i put it all together like the other ones used to thanks mark it was fun to just get back like you said to the old days so all the best don't worry gordy and maddie we love you too so if you like this podcast you can find us on itunes you can find us on spotify and on google Podcasts. just search up matchsticks and gasoline or the tinderbox or calgary flames or put them all together and you should be able to find us for all your hard-hitting action again flames and jets tomorrow 6 p.m mountain time in winnipeg thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time on the tinderbox